everyone, and welcome again to ABC's of Anesthesia. And again, what we're covering here is the ANSCA training program and application processes to get into anesthetic training. And so, for this episode, we're going to go through the cover letter and the CV or resume. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Kaz, tell us what, what do you what do you reckon makes a good cover letter? So, I think a cover letter is really an introduction to your application. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think its role is really in introducing who you are succinctly and getting across, as we were talking before, mm-hmm. um, the key facets of um, who you are mm-hmm. and your intentions for applying um, and also a bit more specifically intentions for, intentions of applying to that um, hospital or that network. Um, it sounds like a bit of a formality there, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. And, and I do wonder how, many, how much people read these, but I actually put a lot of time into my cover letter. Yeah, um, I think most people do. Yeah, but I, I wonder does it really <laughs> mean? So, so my point of view, I think if you have spelling errors, bad grammar, yes. and you're not making any effort, that's a bad mark. Yeah. But personally, if someone, you know, has a pretty standard cover letter showing interest and they've done a bit of work, yeah. Like, oh, they've they've played the game, they've done a bit of work, and you know, I'm not going to choose or not. I'm not going to choose you just based on your cover letter. But what if you have an exceptional cover letter? Yeah, but that would show out in your resume and your interview. That's the thing. So you could have an average resume, uh-huh. as in like you might not have hit no, no, As in what makes a cover letter really great? For example, if someone mm-hmm. says in a cover letter, I'm a really good communicator, I love teamwork, I just, it just rocks my world, <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm just an amazing, I, I just love anesthetics to death. Like it's just words though. So, exactly. So, 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 yeah, yeah. so they'd have to back it up with facts, and those That's facts right. would be in the CV. Correct. But I think the role of a cover letter is mm-hmm. introducing some of the facets you're going to start talking about in the interview mm-hmm. and then backing them up there with what's in your CV and really bringing those two together. So you're exactly right. Like a lot mm-hmm. of the cover letters um, yep. you read are just like, I'm an excellent communicator and I am a great team player. Mm-hmm. And they don't really say anything to back it up. So I think if you follow that up by, you know, saying I really value the role of teamwork in establishing a effective and a safe clinical environment. And this has been exemplified by me joining, you know, the clinical deteriorating committee or working on these committees. That to me, if when I read that, I go, great, I know what this guy's, in, or this guy or girl's interest is. I know what their clinical, mm-hmm. uh, what their experience is. And I know that they can articulate that in a clear way. Yeah. And then when you read it, you get an idea as to what this person's all about. I gotta say, I don't disagree with that. Like yeah. for, for a start, you you gotta. It, it can't just be words. And I guess the more senior you get, the more evidence you have of these things that you you know you, you are really great collaborating or communicating or whatever it is. Um, but and then if someone on the rare occasion you get just an exceptionally well written letter, that definitely does stand out. Like like anything. Uh, but by and large, I'd, I'd say that most cover letters are just. Pretty, pretty much all the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so by that token, I would say yeah. if you write an exceptional cover letter, yeah. you, you'll stand out. That's right. Yeah. So, so my approach to this when I applied for both the, probably more the anesthetic program was I knew there were deficiencies in my CV. Um, you know, I knew there were deficiencies in things that uh, I just couldn't make up in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw the entire thing as a big pie graph. So if mm-hmm. one part of my pie was too small, the other one had to be bigger. Yeah, yeah. That, that was essentially it for me. So if you have a phenomenal CV in every single aspect and like, you know, it's just the better than a consultant CV, then I think, sure, you can kind of just write a pretty average C cover letter. <laughs> but I think if you're like everyone else and you have areas that are deficient, I think this cover letter could form a could form a important part that could swing you either which way. 
yeah, okay. um, to get an interview, which then I think would allow you to explore those ideas a bit more, like you said, yeah. Yeah, okay. So we, we probably have a slightly different, slightly ang- different. Ang- angle in this, but, but that's all right. But you that, give that's people a, a job, so it's probably more valid. <laughs> that, that, that said, when I wrote my cover letter, I put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was before I, I wasn't on the inside, really. That's know? true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it, it goes to the fact that, you know, the selection process, it's not like each person's choosing you is the same person. It's not like there's, you know, there's certain aspects and criteria that will be reasonably objective, but it's, you know, each person who is interviewing you, I suspect will be very different in the way they rate certain aspects. It's not like, you know, you're going for some maths quiz with objective marking schemes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, no matter what we say, it will be, it could be very differently received by uh, any individual. So I think that's one of the real challenges with this. Yeah, and I think I think a big part of this whole process for me was also kind of leaving nothing up to chance, really. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to give yourself the best chance for getting on mm-hmm. the program or getting to whatever program or getting, you know, mm-hmm. an internship or whatever you're trying to do. And it's up to you how much effort you want to put in. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, certain stuff like internship, like you're, you're going to be fine. Like everyone gets an internship. Yes. You know, and PGY 2, 3 jobs, generally everyone gets a job. It's not very difficult. Yes. But when the training program, how bad do you want it? You know, so yeah. I mean... I was very excessive. Like a lot of my friends know, I wrote eight separate drafts of my cover letter <laughs> and I got a, multiple consultants to review it at each separate point. Okay. Um, but I'm very proud of that cover letter and oh, that's a lot of work for those consultants. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay. So the bare minimum, the formatting has got to be right. You've got to logical paragraphs, Correct. grammar, spelling, all that has to be an absolute minimum. It has yeah. to be a great, of a great standard. Uh, and then if you're really doing well, it's identifying the key facets of maybe your points of difference, why, you, you know, you think you're good for anesthetics, you're good for the hospital, you're good for, you know, um, you know you're a good medical doctor in, yeah. in, in, in general. Yes. And then back to, backed by facts, which you probably see on your CV as well, but having that cohesion is probably a good way to think of it. Um, so how long should a cover letter be? No more <laughs> than a page. Yep. Uh, I think if it's longer than a page, no one's going to read it. Yeah. How about if you... Change your font to size nine, nine font. Is, is that, no? So what, what font size are we I doing? think 10 or 11. And I think it should be... Oh, 12. A, sorry? Okay, 10 or 11. I said 10 or 11. No, 12 is too big. 12 is too big, okay. A reasonable font. A reasonable font size, a reasonable font. And I think if you're filling it top to bottom and you're trying to squeeze stuff in, you need to stop and go, this is too long. Yeah. I think realistically you should have three paragraphs. There should be, why do you want to do anesthesia or quick care or pediatrics or whatever why why they should pick you and why you want to come to this hospital or this network mm-hmm. and those last two can be in different orders but that's just how i did it mm-hmm. and i think it shouldn't be too long yeah no i agree with that so good make a couple of sharp and uh follow, follow follow a good format and you know these days there's so much help on these things so i like what you did just you know give it to your parents give it to your siblings give it to your mates you know, even bother a couple of consultants about it. Uh, bothered and, many a consultant <laughs> <laughs> on something that I believe is pretty much a formality. Yeah. Uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the cover. There's probably yeah. not too much more to say about that. Um, um, I guess the only other thing I would say, <laughs> in addition to that, is um, it, it's a professional letter. So it, it's a professional piece of writing, mm-hmm. um, and, and it shouldn't be written in conversational language, and it shouldn't be casual. Um, and I often see people use very common turn of phrases. Um, and, and I think that, if anything, is a red flag. So if anything, you could do everything right, but say something really casual and that makes the reader go, mm-hmm. 
like, can this person be professional when they need to be? And I think that will probably hold you in good stead. But again, as, as Larry said, I think everyone weights it differently. Um, but my argument is, what if that's the reason you don't get in? No, that's right. Uh, look, <laughs> I, I completely agree with that. You gotta you gotta put your best foot forward uh, because you're not on the inside, and you never know. Individuals will see things very differently. Uh, that's really good. So let's talk about the CV. Mm. I mean, this is this is a history of you. This is everything that yeah. you think is relevant, and you know what you've done. Um, so I, I think there's a big part of it. I can these days you can look at a CV and just go, wow, this person's done a lot. They're hardworking. And they've you know covered lots of areas. Um, yeah. So how would you how would you approach this? So I think CVs are really challenging um, because I think by the time you apply for specialty programs, you've done a lot. You know, you've got your entire high school, undergrad, if you did postgrad med and then postgrad and then, you know, your intern residency. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of material there and there's lots of volunteering stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people find it really hard to know what's relevant mm-hmm. and a lot of people find it really hard to frame what's relevant mm-hmm. in a way that really jumps out of the reader. Yeah. Um, so I... For the anesthetic program applications, I actually took my old CV and so I, so I went through my old CV with mm-hmm. one of the supervisors at the time um, and they pointed out everything that was different and I was like, great, mm-hmm. okay. And I just threw it out and I started again. Yep, sounds good. Um, yeah. And then just to go through, uh, like, so I've, I've received many CVs in the last few years and I'd say that the biggest thing for me at the very start is can this person write a, a nice looking CV mm. um, and, and your ability with word processing is actually a big deal because yeah. it, you know, it's everything that you, you do for the, I mean, it's the way you communicate on paper for the rest of your life. Yeah. So um, I, I would spend the time, you know, Google, you know, see, you know, cover, sorry, Google CV formats mm. and just try to, you know, mimic something that looks really good. So word already has templates um, but I feel like you can probably go to the next level pretty easily uh, and get a really sharp looking, sharp, sharp looking CV with, you know, great headings. And, you know, you can even put the headings in block or colors or, you know, mm. you know to, not to an excess, but, yeah, you know, having your picture in the right spot, having, uh, you know, the, the categories all lined up mm. and just the formatting. So, you know, if, you're, if you have your spacing or your tab you're indenting at the wrong side for different sites. That's a real problem to me. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> the OCD part of me and the fact that most anesthetists are a little bit OCD and yeah. about the detail, uh, I think that's a big deal. So make yeah. sure it jumps out and it looks really sharp like you've created a bit of an art piece of art. And, and if design and layout isn't your thing, you know, try to find a friend who's into design and just get mm-hmm. them to have a look at it. And I think that's really important because it needs to be clean. It needs to have good use of the space on the page. Cause if you just have black text all over a page, it, it's so hard to read. Mm. Um, and the more you kind of start looking at applications, you kind of start to see the stuff. So mm. I think, um, and again, it should be said, I think, um, this is not a CV for like a, you know, a design scholarship, mm. you know, in, in some fancy art school, it doesn't have to, it shouldn't have like picture. It should have a picture of you, but it shouldn't be like this beautifully colored and designed thing. It should be a relatively blank white document yeah. with black text with maybe another color for headings. Yeah. And it should be the same font. Yeah, that's um, right. this, the same size font within the subcategories. Yes. Um, and, and I guess the next question is how long do you think a CV should be? Look, I, 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 I think I've read your thing, which says, you know, it should be about three pages. I, I probably don't, if they haven't given me a specific length, I don't worry too much about it as in terms of, 
I will use the categories. I'll fill them up as best as I can. Yeah. Uh, and whatever the length is after I've done the appropriate categories without embellishing yeah. you know, to in, in excess, that's how long it is. Yeah. So I'm, I'm okay with that. A cover letter, one page, but CV, I'll fill the categories in. And like, you know, maybe you have someone with a hundred publications. How can you limit that? You know? that that's a very good point. That wasn't me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as you go on in your, tr- in your, in your work life, your CV just grows and grows and grows, but then it's time to start chopping off the stuff that you don't need. Exactly. How, how about you? What, what would you say? So I, um, I generally think it should be about one to two pages. Mm-hmm. Um, I think three is fine. So mine ended up being about two and a half and that was in the advice of a, of one of the quick care supervisors. Oh, yeah. Time. Yeah. Um, and I was also speaking to a couple of my friends who are in the corporate world and they, say that when they do um when they hire if a cv is more than a page they don't read it really yeah so it really speaks to i think you know because because surely that should be one of the requirements i, th- I think it's, i think it's just kind of a, an expectation i think if you're in the culture you know it Everybody but i think knows. i think this is you know one of the many reasons why it's really hard to break into some of these yes um, professions so i think if you think about if you're someone going through you know 200 300 cvs mm-hmm. which which a lot of these and it's more for the anesthetic program mm-hmm you're just skimming and you have to skim through six pages and you have like, you know, the fact that you were like school prefect in year six mm-hmm. and stuff in there, you literally kind of roll your eyes and go, if you, that's, if you think that's important, I just yeah. don't think there's anything else of value in here. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, so that, that's kind of what I've heard from people who've been on selection committees. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you. I think we've accumulated a lot of experience. I think research actually is quite unique to um, mm-hmm. like our sphere where it does take up space. And I think mm-hmm. that's okay. Cause that's relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I, I, but I still think the, I, I think that shouldn't be a license just to include yep. like mm-hmm. random stuff, you know, yeah. you, you know, and, and I could give hundreds of examples of things I've seen. Yeah. I think at every process you should be like, is this, and I kind of say within the last five years, uh-huh. longer than that, if it's something really great, like mm-hmm. if you, you know, got given a $10,000 scholarship to do something in high school, I think that's all really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then you need to think of, is it consistent? Yes. Is it consistent with the job you're applying for? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't think, you know, again, like if you're applying for anesthetic or a pediatric job or whatever, I don't think it's necessarily relevant that you, I don't know, like taught swim team in high school or something like yeah, that. I'm yeah, trying to find an example. Right. Yeah. It's but probably if a, you taught Olympic swim team, that's oh, relevant. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. So, <laughs> so it's have, almost like the time you, sp- yeah, the, the time, how long ago it was, uh, on a graph with how exceptional your performance was, yeah. there'll be a line there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of first part theory, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, flashbacks. So Kaz, uh, what, do you, what do you need to have and include in your CV? What are your categories that you need to fill out? So I think very broadly, you need to have your name at the top of the CV in a large font that's very easy to see. I think it's also very useful to have your demographic. So I guess your phone number and your address, because it again, just increases the usability of that to the interviewer. Or right. An email as well. Yeah. An email address, sorry. Um, a lot of people put indemnity numbers and opera numbers and stuff. I don't yeah. really think that's relevant. I actually included in mine at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the important headings are education and qualifications. Mm-hmm your employment history. And I think most, I think this should almost exclusively be your medical employment history. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you've done something else in the health sphere, I think that could be relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to put every year. So even if you've done a resident year for three years, I think mm-hmm. label it resident one, resident two, resident three. Yes. Um, and then I think scholarships and awards, if you've had got something impressive mm-hmm. research audits and quality assurance, um, and then kind of committee stuff. So I had a heading called leadership, advocacy, and representation. And then um, you could kind of have uh, education experience and mm-hmm. I and prof- professional development. 
And then I also had a bit um, about interest and hobbies and different fruits at the bottom. Yeah, excellent. So, so it's quite dynamic. I think it really depends. And I changed the headings to make multiple of my headings fit into one if they weren't that big. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think it's about putting what your strongest elements are first. Yes, yes. No, that's good. So uh, do you want to just quickly go through those headings again just for the listeners? Yeah, sure. So we have education and qualifications, mm-hmm. employment, scholarships and awards, research, audit and quality assurance, uh, leadership or advocacy or committee experience, um, education slash mentoring and presentations. and presentations, and then professional development, and then interest in hobbies and referees. I think that's quite a personal choice. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. A, kind of a small area, but... I think that that side of it, the interest in hobbies, it's only a small section, but oh, it's tiny, yeah. at least it, I remember every single time I went to an interview, they'd always ask me about what was this, what was this about? Yeah. I used to do ringside doctoring, and uh, yeah, and like uh, boxing, boxing doctoring. Oh, wow, yeah, cool. yeah. and um, they would always ask me about that. So <laughs> you know, at least that's something a bit different. That it's a great icebreaker, yeah, great icebreaker. Yeah. I think they really want that to yeah. just see who you are and yeah. get you talking about something off. Yeah, I think a lot of people do rehearse for interviews, so. Mm. As soon as you ask them something about their hobbies, it's not going to necessarily be as rehearsed, especially if they ask, you know, you something. Something that catches you off guard. It catches you off guard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, And so, okay, so the way I think about uh, resumes and curriculum vitaes as well is that what we value is pretty much what would require the most work and initiative. I think we mentioned that in one of the previous episodes. So so to pay money to do a one-day course, it's not, not that much effort, but to pay money to do a one-day or longer course and do an exam mm-hmm. is the next level. To then be asked to be an instructor or qualify as an instructor of that course, even better. Or how about having the initiative to make your own course? So these are different levels of initiative and work that I think people rank. So you know, if you think about research, if someone's a first author on a paper uh, with high, that's published in a, paper, a journal with a high impact factor, that's obviously a lot of work. We all know how hard and difficult research can be and how long it takes. Mm. That's a lot of dedicated effort um, versus a simple audit or a literature review. So I think it's just one of those things where think about when you're going through your junior years, you know, just you know, doing bits of work, think about adding value to whatever you're doing. So not just doing the base level thing. So I guess Lehu, another question, mm-hmm. um, what should, what, what are some key mistakes that you see being made in CVs and what are some things that people should avoid maybe? Oh, look, I think um, we probably mentioned most of them. I think we've gone through the fact that you, you essentially it has to be, uh, you know, it has to be relevant at the right time frame. You have to have the right headings and a good presentation and format. Um, and beyond that, look, I think if you follow those guidelines, it's the, you're not going to go too far wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like a cover letter where you have to have language, you know, structures that sound good and, you know, you know, well, well structured, well structured sentences and paragraphs. I think a CV is inherently easy, but it's just telling the facts of what you've done. Yeah. Um, but potentially, I think potentially writing too much. So in, in I think one of the th- things I found quite tricky was in employment history, I wasn't sure how much to write about each uh, each um, rotation that I did. Yeah. Uh, and after a while, I, I think I used to write it when early on in my years when I hadn't done too much work, but as I got more senior, I was like, oh, what am I writing here? Mm. So I'd, I'd cut back the junior years, not putting much detail. I, yeah. You know, it was just, I, these are the rotations that I did, these are the dates, and having those dates continuous. Uh, and then in anesthetic training, if there's something relevant, something interesting about the hospital I worked at or a skill that I developed, I'd write that in brief. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it, it can be 
pretty easy to go on and on about each rotation that you did. And I think that's probably unnecessary. But at the end of the day, I think we'll t- talk about this in interviews. You want to know your your resume. Mm. Uh, you obviously don't have anything that you've made up. You need a back. You need to be able to back and talk about yeah. all the things that you've done in a bit of detail because that would be one of the easiest things to ask you. Exactly. And I think another thing to keep in mind is if you've done something that's a bit unusual mm-hmm. um, or you've done a course that's not kind of the standard stuff, I think it's very reasonable to put one line descriptor at the bottom. Yes. Because, you know, you might know what, a certain abbreviation is for your medical society, but a lot of people won't. So mm-hmm. I think putting out what it is and what your what your responsibilities are. So I think particularly for committee leadership and advocacy kind of stuff, mm-hmm. it's really important to say what your role was. Um, in my research bits, I always put a sentence going, I was involved in data collection, data analysis, manuscript writing, and presented yep. at ABC. Yeah, good facts. Yeah. Otherwise it's just like, what, what did you even do? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that is also quite a point of discernment because if if someone reads that and, and you're just spelling it out specifically what you've done mm-hmm. and someone else has just put the name of a course, the name of an article, mm-hmm. you go, well, like I trust this person more because yeah, they've right. told me what they've done. So it's about, it's about imagining if you're skimming through a piece of paper, what's going to catch your eye and what's, um, what's really readable. Yeah. And so for the viewers, I think we've covered most of the things we wanted to cover with a cover letter and CV. Uh, but if you have any questions or any suggestions, yeah, please email us at anesthesiapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, that's anesthesiapodcast at gmail.com. So yeah, thanks very much for listening and watching. Please share with anyone who might be interested uh, in this kind of stuff, especially now that we're coming into applying for interviews uh, and, doing, and doing those interviews and applications. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, catch you then next time. Bye.